Welcome to New Game Netcast, the official podcast of NewGameNetwork.com. What would the machines want from us, though? I mean, we want coffee and entertainment and stuff from our machines, but they just want, what, files, I guess? Um, yeah, I don't know. It depends if they need to be, if they have, like, AI or they feel the need, they need to do their job. Maybe coffee machine wants needs people to constantly feed it coffee beans, you know, some kind of mad binge, and it goes yeah, crazy. So maybe the know. secret is to build. The secret is to start building machines that are easily satisfied. <laughs> yeah. This is a machine that requires a smile every now and then. Yeah, we can do that. Give me the technology. And with such opening about the future of machines taking over. Wait, you, you're recording that? I am now. Welcome to the oh, new right. game netcast. Woo! This is uh, episode for Sunday, January 20th, number 19. And it is, uh, for now, the last episode of the podcast. Aww. Yes. It was fun while it lasted. It was. We had a good and run, probably longer than we expected it to go when we started out. Yeah, it was uh, on April 1st, 2011, that the first episode was released. Oh, Are wow. you serious? We've been at this for... Sorry, sorry, 2012, of course. Yeah, that yeah, seems that's more imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of hit some space-time continuum and just <laughs> <laughs> gain a year that we don't remember. Yeah, no, sorry, last year. So we didn't quite make it a year, but, uh, you know, 10 months. In, in I thought we did. 10 months, 19, 18 episodes. It's all good. Yeah. So today we'll be talking about uh, a bit of a recap, how 2012 went, what the biggest stories were, uh, some of our personal votes and reactions to the Game of the Year awards that we've had uh, on the site posted uh, last week, and um, just general reminiscence and memories, bloopers of the podcast and of the year. And we'll get started now. Well, was that not good enough? Would you like to do no, that? No, 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 no. He no, did no, the whole intro good. spiel. Yeah, that was kind of the whole yeah, intro yeah, yeah. speed. So, okay. <laughs> well, starting to look back on just our favorite fond memories of 2012 is what we're saying. So, um, the year kicked off with Mass Effect 3 ending controversy. This was a bit, yeah. This was a very sad year, actually, for some a lot of major platforms. I want to say, a lot of ma- major intellect, a lot of major IPs, starting with Mass Effect Three. wasn't that it was bad. It was a good game overall, but it was just that that ending, and that was all that anyone could talk about. Yeah, it kind of cast a shadow over the game's release because I think in most ways it was a really fantastic game, but just that one little blip at the end kind of cast a shadow over the entire release and made everyone angry about it, even though the rest of it was actually pretty awesome. Which is kind of disappointing to me. Disappointing? You're disappointed in the fans, you mean, or you're disappointed in the company? Probably more in the fans, because they basically disowned the... Uh, some, not everyone, I should say. Some fans basically disowned the entire series. Like, like that, ten end, that ten minutes at the end ruined the entire series for me. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of a uh, and I don't want to say immature, but kind of shallow stance. Because, I mean, there's more to enjoyment than 
the payoff at the end. I mean, it's a whole journey throughout the entire three games, and it's a pretty remarkable journey. So this is true. Yeah. I was kind of, I personally was kind of hoping that Mass Effect would go down as one of the great gaming trilogies, sort of a you know a staple of. Uh, you know, a staple of the 2010s. As far as you know, when we look back, it'll be yes. And then there was Mass Effect, which took the world by storm, et cetera, et cetera. But with that ending, and with the huge fuss that was made over it, I'm wondering if it'll be. A, I want to say like a, a symbol of unfulfilled promises, a symbol of disappointment. If that's, <laughs> if that's what we'll, we'll, we'll remember it for, you know, in 10 years from now, is some new guy going to be able to pick up Mass Effect, start playing through it, and really like it, and it'll you know have a surge in popularity or it'll stay classic or are people forever going to remember mass effect as oh that great series that petered out at the end well for me mass effect one was the best game in the series i know i'm uh, a rarity in that opinion but and you know i think bioware is kind of losing it over the last little while uh pretty much since uh, when did mass effect 2 come out 2010 i think yeah. 2010? Yeah. Well, Mass Effect 2 came out, and then I think uh, Dragon Age was before that or after that? Origins was before right. Mass Effect 2. Yeah, so my theory is that starting at Mass Effect 2, it's kind of been downhill for Bioware. And in terms of RPG mechanics, I'd agree. I mean, Mass Well, Mass they Effect don't make anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, Mass Effect 2 and 3 were good as, very good as action games, but yeah, they were sorely lacking in the role-playing department, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. And then we'll see what happens with Dragon Age 3. True that. Good luck to them, I say. Uh, maybe Bioware can come back a little. We'll see. I heard they were going to try and follow fan feedback a bit more, but it's hard to know. That's what. It's something that I'm a little confused at, because Bioware actually says that they're very focused on that. Bioware... When I hear the Bioware, when I hear Bioware give updates or press releases, they sound like a fantastic company. Uh, I'll, I'll always remember when the Mass Effect 3 ending came out, and Bioware released that statement saying, "Our writers honestly felt like we have written one of the best video game endings possible." Cetera, they should get better writers. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Or, or is this a case of you know, frankly, our art just isn't good enough for the masses, or our art is too good for the masses? You know, I'm wondering if. You know, but Bioware seem it, Bioware sounds like Valve when they talk. Bioware sounds like the company that's all about the fans, and you know, we, we just do whatever the fans want us to do. But does, they don't come out that way, though. If Valve was like that, we'd have half of episode three by now. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you guys hear about how they released images from? Uh, this is off topic, by the way. But they released some images from Half Life episode four, Half Life two episode four. It was being developed by Arcane, yeah. and it actually got pretty far along in development, but then they cancelled it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've, I haven't heard about this, actually. I, in fact, I would have thought that that'd be an urban myth, but now you've got me wondering. No, it, it was like an official uh, statement from Valve saying that's what happened. I wonder if Valve is slowly warming up the Half-Life bucket of ice-cold water. Okay, that metaphor didn't go anywhere, but yeah. Warm up the old ice bucket? No, that's what's no. What am I saying? That's a great metaphor. <laughs> Half Life Three right now, or Episode Three, or what have you, is like a huge tub of water packed full of ice. It's just cold, and every time you go over and check it, like, hey, is anything happening over here? It's just a, still a cold <laughs> tub of yeah, ice. I don't know. Water. And then uh, <laughs> now I'm just wondering if things start have started to melt. In a good way or a bad way? In a bad way. The news news about it. Uh, 
know, it's it's just it's always silent. It's like Willy Wonka's factory. Okay, oh, let, yeah. me, let me let me let me stop you from getting into any more metaphors. Let's do that, yeah. And um, we can talk about the free to play movement. And oh. we, I think, maybe covered this uh, briefly in a couple of podcast episodes, but I think now is a good time to review kind of where this trend went this year and what could be happening in the future. So a quick recap. Um, the Again, talking about Bioware, Star Wars uh, The Old Republic was the billion-dollar budget game from EA that said that they would never, ever go free-to-play because they spent so much money on it. And uh, lo and behold, uh, they went free-to-play about a year after launching. And uh, same happened with The Secret World which launched as an MMO with uh, subscription fees and had to go free-to-play just recently as well. Um, so obviously there's still... Had to. Yeah, had to. They're not making any money. Right. And So do they think by going free-to-play it will magically make money? Well, uh, actual, Actually, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the hope anyways. The, the 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 goal of free to play is that you sacrifice initial income by to gain popularity, and you have to, you have to have critical mass of players, so to speak. And microtransactions, I'm assuming that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. that's the whole. That's how you make money is the microtransactions. Yeah. So in in with Star Wars, like how are they making money then? Well, well, what? usually the free to play option is restricted, you know, based on whatever features. Uh, so they level cap or something. It depends on the game. Uh, yeah. Some games have a level cap, some don't. Um, oh, I think we, I also should have added the Rift uh, MMO also going free okay. to play. Two, did you I say Two Worlds or Secret now. World? Secret, Secret World. World. Uh, just checking. Two Worlds is a fantastic game, though. I'll say that now. That's totally not an MMO, though. <laughs> yeah. Two Worlds 2 is pretty good, but yeah, yeah no, we're getting great. off topic again. <laughs> right, right, still getting off topic, sorry. So, yeah, I mean... That's, I guess, you know, after you have a, a billion-dollar budget for your game, and it doesn't really sell that well as you hope, you have to offer a free-to-play option, and it's usually restricted. Um, I think for the Star Wars one, they restricted some some really odd things, like you can't talk to other players, etc. Uh, yeah. You can't sprint. Or, they, have, they had some yeah. incredibly restrictive measures for free-to-players. Free yeah. Did they just, like, throw a dart at, like, a spinning wheel or something, like, what they removed? From the game, the, the goal was to create restrictions such that you were always bumping into them, but they never actually stopped you from playing the game. That's right. right. Minor annoyances. Yeah, minor annoyances. And so, has it helped them? Well, like, they haven't said anything yet about the numbers, but we'll see. Mm. And on the other hand, um, we have the fact that even if games are, don't have a subscription fee, MMOs, it could still be either a success or a failure. So we saw the shutdown of the long, long-running free-to-play MMO City of Heroes. Oh. Um, whereas on the other hand, Guild Wars 2 released in August, and that does not have subscription fees, but you do have to buy it uh, a one-time, like you would any other game. And that's yeah. been doing well, and I think it sold uh, 3 million they announced recently. Yeah. I'll, I'll bet a lot of people are scratching their heads over that one. 2012 felt to me very much like the, I don't want to, not the death of the MMO, of course not, but 
a lot of people, it feels like, tried to jump into the MMO pool and it just didn't quite work out. So many people going free to play. But somehow, Guild Wars has survived. It kind of feels like it's just... It, it's survived? It, uh, it, it's I, just World of Warcraft and Guild Wars now. Wow. World of Warcraft and its, and its little cousin that visits every now and then, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, the sales of Guild Wars 2 have stagnated quite a bit because they sold... Two million after a month or two, and only now reached three. So the initial hype is definitely kind of going off, and we'll have to wait and see how it fares. You know, because it it needs some new content. It's a very different MMO, which is why it was selling so well at the set at the at the start. Um, but now, kind of people had their taste of it. They they saw what the game does differently, and people are kind of moving on. I think. To be fair, though, with the free-to-play movement, it's it was more like the big companies or larger companies were doing it. Because, obviously, if you remember, getting onto the internet, like, years ago, there was you were still bombarded with um, free, free-to-play games in banners and everything. They've been going for ages, these small, kind of like, either Chinese-based companies or somewhere American. Yeah, which right, yeah. It. It's been going for absolutely ages, and now it seems like... The, these large companies have had to resign to the fact that they have to compete with these smaller ones because people don't really want to spend as much anymore. Yeah, and we did see the release of some really good uh, free-to-play games from those major companies like Tribes Ascend, Blacklight yeah. Black Retribution, Planetside 2. Like Quite a few games that are actually they had a pretty fair free-to-play model and they're actually quality games. So it's definitely a dominant movement this year. And it's going to carry on into 2013, you think? Probably. I mean, I think a few companies have had success with it. So, uh, I mean, we already had Crytek coming out with um, oh, yeah. Warface or some ridiculous-sounding game. Yeah, that's only for, for, like, Europe, isn't it? Uh, the beta is, anyways. I'm sure... I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. And we'll have Dust514... On PlayStation 3, which ties into EVE Online, also going to be free to play. Mm, of course. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, so did we talk about cloud gaming? Yes. Where to next? It's, it's so funny because just yesterday I was driving in a guy's car who. Sorry about that. Outside of my control. Um, just yesterday I was driving in a guy's car who had an OnLive sticker on the back. I guess he worked for. <laughs> Front live at a time or whatever. I uh, people were hoping that 2012 would be the year of cloud gaming, but unfortunately, cloud gaming just doesn't seem to have taken off just yet. Mm, no. I'm 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 putting my money on 2015 as the year that <laughs> cloud gaming goes crazy. The long game, the long game. Though. Yeah, we we've had the year where people jumped on it too early, and now we're gonna have the year where everyone remembers the year where people jumped on it too early, and then the year where it warms up, and then finally, boom. When it happens. By then, hopefully, we'll we'll all be on Google's you know super fast internet that they're providing <laughs> in, in Kansas. That's either. Exactly. Good diet. Not in Canada. Nope. Kansas. <laughs> oh. All right. Okay. Well, obviously, we're all That's right, Kansas. Canadians. You're gonna have to upgrade to Kansas in order to, in order to <laughs> upgrade to cool Kansas. internet. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we were at E3 and they had the all the guy guy thing. It was just. I don't know. It was just there was a lot of party poppers and loud music, and like women dancing, and I didn't know what Gaikai was, but 
they seem to enjoy themselves. And they seem to get a lot of people around and they seem to be giving stuff away. So, I don't know. I don't really have so much... Sony did Sony did buy Gaikai this year. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it, seems, it seems like one of those companies which has kind of it's created its own hype by having such a showy thing, but I don't know like what quite kind of quality they have, if they're well, any good. Chances are Sony will use them at some point for a distribution system, like the stream games to the PlayStation or whatever. Mm. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out, because um, their site, the Gaikai site, has actually been kind of re- rebranded into a, a purely information site. Like you can't you know, buy games anymore, which is something that they provided originally. Right. So, so it, it seems like they're maybe getting ready for something, um, you know, because they've been bought by Sony. Yeah, you'd think with like how massive Netflix has been this year, that a gaming alternative for you know so much a month is the next logical step for this kind of media. But for some reason, that hasn't seemed to take it hasn't taken off. Well, it's different bandwidth requirements, right? Because streaming yeah. movie is just one-way, non-interactive type thing, whereas playing a game is a little more demanding on your latency and things like that. Yeah, no pain. So. It is, but yeah. if it does, it is. If it does take off, there's so much that it could do to revolutionize the industry. You know, getting the console out of your house really can really break open a lot of a lot of possibilities. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it won't. It, it, no, it, it won't just be like, oh, all the consoles switched over to discs instead of cartridges. You know, it'll be. It could it could change the way entire companies build their structure. I'm actually all for um, having an option to have a disc in your hand versus digital download only. Uh, you're one of the old. You're one of the old. Yeah. Have, have, you probably have lots of game boxes stacked here. <laughs> I case, do actually. Just in case you want to reinstall one day, like oh, <laughs> it's a good thing I kept around. It's a good thing I kept around. You know, Red Alert Two. Guilty now as charged. That, now that it has somehow disappeared from from the entire internet, thank goodness I still got my copy. You so, never know. Point? Oh no, I respect Jeez. that. I respect that. Jeez. Well, it was the same thing with books, isn't it? People, there's a group of people who didn't want to move to a, you know, a paperless format and who kind of decried Kindle and things like that for not, you know, and there's only so far you can stay in the past. I realize this is uh, definitely off topic, but I'm just right now at the fork in the road there, so to speak. I just finished my first, reading my first couple books online. I never read Great Gatsby, and so I just read it on uh, on e-reader. And now I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to get all my books in e-book form from now on or whether I'm still going to get some hardback. It's cheaper. It's cheaper, definitely. It is um, cheaper. In the end, I think I'm going to go for. I think I'm going to go for the split. I'm going to, you know, most books. All you know, if I get a paperback book, I'll just get an ebook form. But if I want a nice hardcover of a book I love, you know, I'm going to get it. Well, that that's the thing. They sh- they should offer it like they do with CDs, where it's and movies, where you get a, you can have the physical copy, but you also get a code to download it yeah, for your that's reader. Right. That's right. Which it just makes sense to do because you're not really losing anything. A person's already. You know, paid for that product, so you might as well just get digital copy. Right, I understand that, but the question is whether to get the physical copy at all. I'd I'd like to do both, though. That's what I'm saying. But I guess yeah. because well, the last major book I bought was well, and, by by Kindle. And uh, I guess, as Alex was saying, that's what he would like to do with games: is to always yeah. have the option, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Because, what, I mean, what? I don't want to be... It's it, all, it comes down to bandwidth as well, right? Not all of us live in Kansas. Yeah, uh, us Canadians you, have bandwidth caps. Well, and not only that, I mean, just downloading a game takes three hours, or it can take ten minutes to go to the store and get the game, right? Oh, you live close to the store, then, I imagine. Yeah, if you, you have, like, a slalom there. <laughs> well, okay, okay, 20, 20, 30 minutes, whatever, I'm just saying. The point yeah. is, that if you're, yeah, but if you're streaming the video, then downloading the game is already done. Oh, well, see, I'm talking about digital distribution, not necessarily streaming. Oh, okay, I thought you were comparing to streaming. Because you're talking about, you know, getting rid of digital, uh, or getting rid of the discs. Yeah, yeah, I'm ta- well, I was talking, well, uh, digital streaming would get rid of the discs. <laughs> well, yes, but I'm pretty sure they have to get the digital download thing figured out first, because you, you can't even get the games online yet. If they, if they got the visual download... Oh, alright, I'm sorry to go on a rant on this real quick, <laughs> but it's so exciting from, from the computer science perspective. Think, think what they would do. You could make every single game for a single operating system. You could make it for a single hardware, or at least an extremely limited set of hardware requirements, because everyone who ever plays this game will only play it on one set of hardware requirements, the server set. And then they just port, port the video out to whatever video device you've got. It's almost oh. like a console with its standard hardware. It, imagine if everyone in the world were playing off of one PS3 whenever they played a PS3 game. That would be laggy. That would be, you know, uh, that's the big problem, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's exactly yes. what the issue is. Yes. All right. Uh, All right. Moving on to... Well, yeah, if, I guess if OnLive is dead and Gaikai isn't really doing anything right now, what are we going to see for next generation consoles? Okay, nice. Smooth. Well done. <laughs> Next generation consoles. Uh, this year we had the launch of PlayStation Vita, which uh, Peter attended and can tell us everything about, and the launch of the Wii U, the next generation console from Nintendo. So, what are your thoughts on those two as we start out the conversation? Well, like, like you were saying, I was at the launch, and I said this in my review that while it I was there testing out the Vita. Well, it is very nice. It, there is a feeling that it is quite redundant in the day and age that we live in, especially with the the rise of mobile gaming this year, perhaps more than ever. Um, I think that there wasn't anything there for it which really exemplified or pushed me to get one, apart from having a few titles that I recognised and liked playing. But is it worth me spending, you know, between 180 and 250 pounds to play a couple of games that I like that really don't use all these functions in this Swiss army knife of a mobile gaming handheld thing. Oh, um, and, you know, the people are nice enough there. Got some free food. I think... Top notch. Yeah, come on. Go jump in. <laughs> Tend to that. Fine, me. sorry. I know what your thoughts. What are your thoughts on it? Well, it's not selling very well, is it? I could have told them that when I was there. They could have asked me, you know, six months before on Peter, is this, is this thing going to sell? Is it a good idea? And I would have gone, no, just save it. Well, I, I think the thing is, as you mentioned, it's a really good system, um, but I, I just don't know if there is a market for it. No. Um, it, it feels like. I guess a bit disappointing because it's really good, but 
who's going to buy this $200, $300 system that can do everything, but, you know, I just I just don't know who it's for. The people it, it, that... The people that play handheld games on their 3DS, you know, are, are, are casuals, shall we say. They don't yeah. need the top yeah. of the line, <laughs> they don't need the top of the line visuals and, and, you know, be able to do all these things and download things via 3G. Um, you know, I just, unfortunately, it just doesn't seem like there's a market for it, which is too bad because the system's great. It's like Game right. Game Mark 2, is what it reminds me of. I hate kind to of say redundant. It. I, uh, as much as I hate the idea of gaming moving entirely over to phones, I think smartphones have taken over so much of the, the, the main appeal of handheld, of, yeah, handheld games is portability, but, you know, I think people kind of lose sight of that a lot. When it really gets down to it, if you were to play handheld games on your desktop, it really, really wouldn't be worth it, because it's, the goal of handheld games is portability. But the thing is, phones are providing that so well, these days, you know, getting a bad game on a phone isn't much worse than getting a bad game on on the PS Vita. Well, so I don't think there's a lot of market space to expand there. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Peter says it's redundant, but I don't know if that's the word I would use because technically you can't do a lot of the things uh, that you do on the Vita on a phone. I mean, there's but the thing is, do do I need to? It's yeah, exactly. I... So so the market is a little bit lacking of people that want to do that. And that's kind of what the problem is. Because obviously when things like Walkman and Game Boy came out, they allowed you to do something that nothing else did. But, you know, the Vita doesn't allow me to do something that no, like, that my phone or, that can't, that my phone can provide. Because if it's music, movies, games, if I was that bothered, e-readers, internet, it's all in my phone, it doesn't offer me anything new apart from improved graphics and you know, more pocket space. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I don't need it. It's, it's kind yeah, of superfluous. I hate to say it, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it coming up. Maybe if the price was lower? I, I, want, I want one, because it has some games that I like on it, but I'm not going to buy one. If somebody, you know, you know, if Sony gave me one of the, the gig, or I stole one, because they were just <laughs> lying about, then, yeah, I'd be happy with it, but I'd never actively go out and buy it compared to something like the 3DS which I am going out and buying which because of Pokemon which will is it right <laughs> but I, that, that's the only reason I'm buying a 3DS you're a Pokemon player? Wow. of course I am <laughs> so I guess we'll agree on uh, I get lack of real system seller games and price point as the reasons yeah uh, pretty much so, and the Wii U also launched this year, and we talked a little bit about it uh, on one of the podcast episodes as it was launching, and uh, we all know that Pete loves the controller with its size and shape and brick-throwing properties. It's, it's when, you know, got, you know, like a banana fits in your hand, and uh, it was kind of, it felt like it was engineered that way. It was the plan of the universe. Then the next logical step from the banana was the Wii U controller. <laughs> so the Wii U was designed perfectly for your hand, for the game player, and all of us. Not really, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of not very comfortable unless you're using the screen all the time. No. And uh, Pete 
mentioned that at uh, E3 when he saw it there? Yeah, I said, I, I jumped up on stage with Iwata, and I went, you know, stop the conference right now. You and me, read into the back, and we're going to have a serious discussion about this controller. <laughs> and then words were said, and fists were thrown. Um, but, you know, I think we got somewhere in the end. And now we have all these Wii U launch games uh, being pushed back, like Pikmin 3. Um, although they, they did, you know, get the Nintendo uh, Super Mario Brothers out the way, I guess. Well, obviously, they had that on the conveyor belt since day one. Yes. <clears throat> That's what I mean. It needs to, like, like, I, my, like I said with the PSV and any kind of new console periphery or hardware, it needs, you know, it has to be an exemplary um, reason to get the console, you know, and to make games for it. You know, gameplay is important, especially if you center it around this unique peripheral or piece of hardware. That That's my argument with the Wii U. There's nothing yet, like with the Vita, that makes me say, you know, this can only be played on a Wii U. Yeah, like you mentioned with the Wii Sports was kind of that game. And prim- also because it can, uh, it came with the system in a lot of cases. Whereas yeah. the um, they have that with the Nintendo Land application, but it hasn't been very well received, including well, no. a review on our site. I know, somebody was putting some genitals on that, and then, obviously, you know, the president didn't know what to make of it, but they banned that that kind of suggestive drawing. Yeah. Because as, as soon as I... Sorry, I haven't gone. No, you go on. You were in the middle of a good idea. I was going to change the topic, but... Well, you say good idea. I'd say, wait a minute, because I was going to say... It, it, <laughs> up, upon seeing it myself, I did get into hard drugs. <laughs> My life's been on a downward spiral since. <laughs> Well, what I was going to say was, <laughs> the thing I'm worried about on the Wii U is, it, it, because it feels like a half-console release, I want to say, uh, I'm worried that Wii U is going to mess up the transition to the next generation for for the Wii. I mean, how yeah, how exactly is this, how exactly is this is going to happen? It is the next generation. It really is, the, is Wii U... The, the, In name only, the, really. Yeah, yeah, is Wii U the official fifth-generation Nintendo console? Or is everyone else going to release a, a you know a next generation console and then Nintendo's going to come along and say aha you see the Wii U was just was just an add on for the Wii you know? <laughs> well what what could they call it then because they've had you how about the Wii Me the Wii, the Wii Me no just add on <laughs> one more I onto the add on the, the add one more I onto the onto the Wii make it Wii I because then it will oh, look the... like a three get it like it's the third. W. But then you say it the same way, so it, it'll be confusing. It'll be the Wii Eye. Wii Eye. Hey, hey, if if Apple can do it, Nintendo can do it. That's the logic. <laughs> there'll be a there'll be a lawsuit. I'm sure if that happens. Apple no, they'll, they'll just they'll just produce the Wii Mini, and then it'll be a big hit, and everyone will go crazy for it. There is already a Wii Mini. Well, you know what I mean. Another one. <laughs> Another one. The Wii Mini. Thinner and lighter. Nice. The sexier model. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're talking about next generation, uh, a lot of rumors swirling around that Tim's been reading. There, oh, about the uh, the companies in trouble like THQ, and I'm not but, sure that No, they're... no, no, no. What, what are you talking about then? I was hoping you'd recreate your thing that you said for the previous recording that didn't catch. I've forgotten what I said. <sighs> I'm very <Well>, short memory. <laughs> okay, we'll go from scratch. There's lots of uh, estimates and guessing about what the 
PS4 and Xbox 720, shall we say, will bring to the table, and if they're going to release this year or early next year, or with they're getting announced tomorrow or a week from now or at CES, we don't know. But uh, we can be sure that the hype train is leaving the station. Mm-hmm. And this will be an exciting year that kind of reveals the new technologies and what's the future going to hold for us. It feels yeah. almost as if all the gaming companies are trying to hold out as long as they can, I want to say. And no one wants to be the very first to release the next generation console. It's been such a long time since the last generation that it feels like no matter what, it's going to be a disappointment what comes out, you know? Well, disappointment. Not necessarily, but they have a pretty high standard to live up to. Yeah, I think uh, I'd like to see Xbox step up to the plate again first. Connect 2. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that'd be good. And I expect them to do it, because Microsoft usually, you know, lead, well, I wouldn't say lead the way, but they've, I think they've got the strongest claim to next generation in time and the hardware perifer- peripherals available. I think with the Connect and uh, you know getting a really good IP going, a few of them for the launch like they did with Halo. I think they need they need to do that again. Even though the PS3 was kind of somewhat lackluster when it came out. It, it, it was a slow launch, but it, it really picked up speed later on. Yeah, and which is good because it is a good console, and albeit not. <sighs> Not the best, you know, the the wand and the eye toy aren't great, even though I believe that oh, that's saying it lightly. But they are, believe, working on a new kind of uh, peripheral, aren't they? To maybe kind of maybe take a new controller, that. yeah. Yeah. And especially if you saw the... Uh, did you see it at CS? The Microsoft... Is it? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. If it's, But it goes in your living room, and obviously it goes the screen... And everything's projected wider than the, obviously the TV oh, itself. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The aluminum room or something. I'll have to. Yeah, aluminum room. Yeah, which would be cool. Obviously, they showed like some tech of a what a first-person shooter would be like. Obviously, I couldn't, I couldn't quite get the. I don't want to say the appeal. Of course, I get the appeal, but how? So I guess you you just hook it up to a normal projector I want to say it's sort of like hey if you happen yeah. to have a projector your game can look all that better <laughs> well in that case you might just stream it on the whole wall right as a yeah, screen pretty much yeah I think it'd be cool if they obviously they need some kind of peripheral that is like a disco ball but with projectors <laughs> on it so it, you know it, your, your room is now like a 3D environment in some kind of with connect as well obviously that you, would be a... you know if we're going to go that far though I kind of feel like we're starting to fall into smell vision territory. And we have this little add-on where you hook it up to your nose at different points in the game as you pass fields of flour or opium dens or whatever. You'll receive the appropriate aroma. Yeah, I'd be up to that. But then you'd be wearing like a full kind of lycra bodysuit with a gas mask to really get the full immersion. Yeah, most gamers won't mind that, I think. Yeah, that's what they're going for. Well, I've already got mine on standby, my spandex. So. <laughs> finally, all the all that tight-fitting, all those tight-fitting pajamas will finally be put to good use. Yeah, it's going to be like if you've seen The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's so funny you mentioned that. Yes, I have seen that just recently. But that that kind of suit is what I want to wear. In it, in oh. a red suit. Kind of there we go. Get a compliment right. everything. 
So next up, uh, I guess some bad news that happened this year uh, in the industry, most notable being the closure and subsequent sell-off of 38 Studios, who only managed to make the one game, um, the RPG called... Kingdoms of all Amular. Yeah, that's right. Wars, kingdoms, reckoning, or... reckoning, 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 revengeance rising, <laughs> resurgence. And uh, so they kind of got in trouble owing too much money to the state of Rhode Island, <laughs> who subsequently took all their stuff and sold it on auction. Um, it's a shame. Rhode Island causing problems again. Seriously. <laughs> Wait, that's an American joke. You have to explain that. Rhode Island is a small, tiny state that no one cares about because it was made back when we were colonies and it should properly be a county. It should be an add-on to New York or wherever. Ooh. But, you know, <laughs> we aren't going to... We aren't going to... not going to go there? Here. No, not here. I don't want to, you know, disenfranchise all our Rhode Island listeners. Yes, yes. All, all one of them. All <laughs> one of them. All one of them who still gets two votes in the Senate. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Well then, anyways. Um, so yeah, they they owed a lot of money because the game didn't really sell that well. And well, it did. It did sell very well. Over, you know, over a million copies. And well, not well enough. enough. Yeah, it was just too expensive to make. Yeah, which was, you and, know, it and and it wasn't as good as it sh- probably it should. It was have okay. Been. That's yeah, you know you, you can't you can't spend millions on an okay game. You really shouldn't. It's not like Tabula Rasa or whatever. Where an inordinate amount of money spent and it just flops. <laughs> yeah. And EA just published the game, but they kind of bailed from the whole procedure of who's at fault, who lost money. Yeah, well, it, obviously, and uh, EA has been a big kind of controversial thing this year as well. There's been a lot of hate for them. Some, not, really, some not, not any less or more than previous years. Just the usual kind of big yeah, the, the usual way. hate. The usual hate. <laughs> no, it, it, it felt like there was more this year. There were more things to complain about. But obviously things like uh, DRM and um, security measures and obviously piracy, it's it's ever-growing, all the kind of dissent and disdain for it. I think because obviously, and again with free-to-play models, people hope that will combat piracy in some way. Yeah, that's true. So, so perhaps that's why they're going for it as well. Well, but yeah, it's a shame the studios are closing. Um, I know some of them just aren't... Because I remember the heyday, and it was only just a few years ago. Um, but now, with obviously, your game has to be Call of Duty sales, or it's not considered worth it. Yeah, the Call of Duty games have kind of set up an unrealistic uh, expectations for developers on how well a game can sell. It's only like a handful of franchises from a very few developers who can actually sell more than like three or four million copies. But I think there's a lot of companies and publishers who are going, why can't we make a franchise that can sell that much? But they just can't live up to that expectation. I honestly think it's the, because of the recent move to multiplayer this past decade that we've been so focused on multiplayer, multiplayer games turn the industry into this world where you have the small handful of games that everyone plays and then the normal market of games that are just, you know, sell at a fraction of, you know, a fraction of the number of copies sold. And it's unfortunate, but that's the way the market works. I know, it's, it, in a way, it's like if you ever walk into, like, you know, a game store or a bookstore and you'll have your bestsellers, 
and you know you'll probably recognise you know a good number of the top games on the in that bestseller list out of the ten there. But then if you just look to your left, there's this whole kind of row of everything else. But we kind of don't really realise that there's this other stuff out there because we we're only kind of saturated with the top ten. So well, it, maybe not we, but the common but general public. No, I was going to say yeah, the common proletariat surf. Scum. Going <laughs> <laughs> back, you know, whatever, walking into their store, wanting their black ops or wanting whatever else, you know, is a not perhaps not as savvy. But again, it's just it's just your average consumer, and that's the market that everyone really wants to hit. Right, it's but just, it's even it's particularly worse for for video games and multiplayer because yeah. you know the appeal of a of a video game, unlike unlike a book, where the well, I guess to a certain degree, you know, an appeal of a book comes by how many other people are, how how many other people are reading it. If video games, in order to use them well, you know, you can get more use out of a game that other people are playing, especially people you know. Yeah, I think, um, I just don't like the way it kind of how massive selling games, but it's the same in the music in, music industry and everything. How big hitters sculpt and mold, um. The other games around it's like being caught in gravitational pull yes so, yes you know You're exactly this, right. game ha- this game has to be modeled like x and it you know and you can take the life and soul out of it which is a shame because you, you really don't it's difficult you want to be successful but you don't want to compromise the originality or just homogenize your game and take away anything that was special or unique about it I think that but, we, might, we might see some innovation usually happen at the start of a new console cycle because mm-hmm. you know you don't know what's going to work what's not going to work so hopefully we'll see some original ideas uh, you know for games this year yeah definitely yeah and uh, the the whole financial trouble situation is going to carry on to this year at least with THQ uh, which is set to go on uh, <laughs> up for auction in a matter of days here, actually. Yeah, so on the 22nd, I think, is when they're going to have their auction. So sad day, sad I, I heard day. Tim is bidding $1 in the Company of Heroes franchise. Yeah, that's my plan. <laughs> they are in Vancouver. I could uh, run the, co- the company locally. <laughs> he submitted his bid papers. All right, excellent. Yeah. $1. Are you going to phone in? Be a mystery man phoning in. Tell him going up. Oh, that's... It's Although, I mean, EA might outbid you a little bit. So, but yes, one dollar and fifty. It's going to be like <laughs> in the last in the last ten minutes of a sale. And my real fear is with Ubisoft because they took massive entertainment, and those guys made World in Conflict, which is a brilliant strategy game. And then they took that those developers and made the work on their mainstream action games like Far Cry Three. And if they buy Relic, I'm deathly afraid that they'll do the same thing with them. So I really hope Ubisoft doesn't get them. That's my but biggest. Far Cry Three has, has had a positive reaction, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a good game, but I mean, there are so many companies making big budget strategy games, and World in Conflict was a totally unique strategy game. So, it's, so there's just not enough developers making stuff like that. Yeah, well, it and again, it's been going back to the indie developers, which are the ones who've been kind of spearheading, you know, innovation and or game. <laughs> Yeah, innovation or just call back to 8-bit graphics and calling them yeah, style. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, there is that as well. But obviously, you know, I think Evan was talking about, you know, faster than light. A lot, a lot of people have been enjoying that. And it's a, you know, kind of different 
approach, perhaps. Yeah. Wait, you don't know that I'm convinced? I'm convinced. <laughs> I don't know if it was like Tim or Evan chuckling to themselves. <laughs> Friends, yeah. Well, no, obviously, there must have been like something that came out on Indie that was. Because I know Torchlight 2 did well. Yeah. And no, you're so... kidding me. This is, it was actually a very good year for Indie. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and actually, this happened very recently. Uh, Gas Powered Games, who are led by Chris Taylor, the guy who made Total Nation and Dungeon Siege and uh, uh, Commander, Supreme Commander, um, they're starting their Kickstarter project, and they want some crazy high amount of money, and they're actually betting their whole company on it. Oh boy! And and he. <laughs> I think just before they launched, or just after they launched the Kickstarter, he let go of like a bunch of people at the company. All right. So it's it's kind of I guess cruel in some ways. It's like yeah, we're gonna you know hope that this works, but we're gonna have to fire you guys now, anyways. Yeah. Well, and then, and then, hi- then hire them back, or just say no. That's it. This is the okay. end. End of that's the road. How much money does he want? Like X million. Yeah, I think it's pretty high. I think it's in a million, maybe. Mm, yeah. yeah, good and, luck to him. And, 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 and it's for uh, an R- top-down RPG mm-hmm. strategy kind of game. I, I really don't know if I put my company on a, on a game like that. No, that sounds honestly, kind of ill-conceived. I mean, in my opinion, they haven't really made anything amazing since Dungeon Siege and Supreme Commander. Cause... They would need they would need something to be this would have to be a record breaking project in order to in order yeah. to make up for this kind of risk. Yeah. This this can't just be like oh we're gonna do an experiment and maybe it'll work maybe it won't if you're really well be- no they're I mean, betting the farm on this. Yeah they did that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah so it's it's sad to see but they haven't really made anything good for quite a few years unfortunately. Space well, that... siege and and um. Demigod were all kind of disappointments. Well, I think 2012 was the year of the kind of older developers who did highly popular games, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, kind of resurfacing um, to acquire funding for their new projects. And that's um, why we call it the year of Kickstarter, right, Peter? Yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> that would be the reason. No, 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 but I'm saying not only as the old developers been doing it, but obviously we've seen a lot of you know, other gaming projects that have also been on there as well, you know, by, you know, not well, as well-known people. And there are some successes on Kickstarter, like, you were just talking about Fast or the Light, that's one, that was a Kickstarter game, and it's pretty good, and then Chivalry Medieval Warfare is another Kickstarter game that came out really well. Chivalry was a Kickstarter game? Yeah, it was. It it might not have been a full Kickstarter. I know there's a bunch of projects that did a partial, like, you know, here's the game that we have, but we need, like, a little bit more money or whatever. Yeah, it might have been that deal. They had some involvement with Kickstarter, though. I know that much. We've got uh, Kickstarter games that really show... uh... Really show a lot of promise in this area, like the Banner Saga. It's going to be coming out soon. Things, uh, I think Kickstarter has actually, yeah, Kickstarter has sort of proved itself as a real possibility for video game indie game makers. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think there's also? I think me and Alex have discussed this probably time and time again about obviously a lot of promises are made with Kickstarter. Um, obviously, those you, you can't really do anything if people go back on them. Um, well. 
Peter, you're once yeah. again making a perfect segment into our next topic. Oh, the topic. year's biggest controversies. Dun, yeah. dun, dun! <laughs> we need that sound. Well, one of the controversies is what happens if Kickstarter you know, fails. fails or lies to their people. And I think there is one game going on right now that's kind of doing that. Um, I saw a story on a couple of sites, Joystick, I think. Uh, there's a game that got funded uh, in... I think in the fall, and then the guy has been promising updates and promising updates, and nobody's heard. And then they he gets contacted by you know websites, gaming sites, and asking, "Well, what are you doing?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll have an update for for Christmas in early January." And of course, nothing's happened since yet. So I think uh, you know it might be brewing an issue where mm. the guy doesn't deliver on the money. This game have a name. I don't recall what it is, unfortunately. We could actually be seeing the backlash, I want to say, from a successful Kickstarter year. Because we've had a lot of Kickstarter successes, maybe we still haven't seen you know, that that moment in Kickstarter when too many people get in and there's a little bit of a bubble, so to speak. And a lot of people think they can just get easy money and all of a yeah. sudden, you know, all these harsh, uh, harsh cases come up with people not paying off on their promises, like you were saying. I know it is a... Because these people aren't, you know, they're average people who are investing. They're not, maybe not as discerning as, like, a bank would be or another game studio. Right. So, and there's also, obviously, and there's less repercussions if you don't come through. I think there'll be fan outcry and everything, and maybe names blacklisted, but, you know, if you come out with over a hundred grand to make something, you can quite happily ride off into the sunset. And change his name and work on something else. <laughs> as much as we like, uh, as much as I like the idea of public funding like this and Kickstarter, the point of going to the public when you're in, when you're in need of money is probably that they're the least informed and least yeah. least discerning, like you were saying. I hate to say it, whoever but, has you know, the flashiest page and the most promises wins. Exactly. Yeah. If you're if you're uh, you know if your franchise or your idea has a lot of public support is you know cheap to make but has the chance to make you know a lot of good money back you don't have to go to kickstarter just you know someone else is going to invest in that someone else will probably beat you to it yeah i know it is kind of like say if you go on they have dragon den or whatever and somebody's uh banging on about a great product and you wonder why you know nobody's invested in it earlier or you know or, or a bank hasn't seen how sound your your plant is or but again, with a bank, it's a loan, and you have to pay it back. And it's interest with Kickstarter. It's you know you can get the total. If you don't, then you don't. You can put it up again, I believe. Can you? I'm not sure. But, uh, I don't know what the rules are. Uh, I think there's some kind of uh, recuperation period where you can't yeah. put up a project again right away if it fails. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of like if you get enough exposure, then it's kind of like what have you got to lose? And, but again, I, I don't think there's enough stringent lines for what. People can and can't advertise for money on there. It's yeah, funny. There's going to be some people who try and exploit it and try and just make money off of it and just run off into the sunset without anyone hearing or seeing from them again. Yeah, I, it's just. But the thing is, it's kind of. It felt like it kind of cropped up from nowhere. I think, with, obviously, with the Tim Schafer thing, that kind of really projected it into the limelight. Yeah, but, that, that huge yeah, cause, space sim. Yeah, because it feels like that. Um, you know, for years, in, indie developers were either, you know, spending all their money on it, doing it in their spare time, you know, really having to push themselves to make it work, and they were the only ones responsible for its 
kind of success or failure. But now it's kind of like you can set up Kickstarter, somebody can throw you money, and even if your idea isn't as good, it's kind of like without Kickstarter, there was more of a natural way of separating the wheat from the chaff. But with Kickstarter, you kind of get it all thrown into the same kind of arena. And then it's up, up to a person, the investor, to kind of discern what's a good product with, you know, uh, space to grow or what's just some terrible pipe dream. You know, hmm. Rebuttal, Evan? No, I was, I was going to agree with you, but... Going to? Then I realized how stupid your idea was. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just saying. No, you're you're right. Unfortunately, and it's that's the the sort of the sad, yeah, it's sort of the sad side of of Kickstarter. I want to say. Hopefully, the good outweighs the bad. I think I think it already has. I think I think Kickstarter has proved itself. It'll have its ups and downs, but it's here to stay. Really, yeah. uh, let's let's cross our fingers and see what happens with uh with um. Gas-powered games, one million dollar ask. They've only got a month left. Good luck, <laughs> Mirian Doris. Uh, I think on, on controversies as well. Um, I don't know if the rest of you got. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, did anybody else read about uh, the War Z game? Uh, no. What's the deal yes. with that? I actually had a chance to play it back in Alpha, and it is uh, as terrible as they say it is. It's truly appalling. What's the, wanna, the story? Uh, do you want to tell it, Tim? Or? I can, yeah, so basically they had some uh, really negative press around being dishonest because they somehow got the game on Steam. I'm not really sure how it even got onto Steam in the first place, but it had a bunch of dishonest claims. Like, the world the game takes place in is, like, maybe 100 kilometers, and then the Steam page says, like, multiple multiple areas ranging in size from 100 kilometers to 400 kilometers. But in reality, there's only one area, and it's only 100 kilometers, or maybe even less. Hmm. And it just had... There were some other things, there were some other claims that were being made by the developers that were were actually just totally dishonest. And then eventually Steam removed it from their store and apologized and uh, gave everyone, everyone refunds. I'm, actually, I'm not sure if they apologized, but that's kind of the gist of what happened. Yeah, they, I think Steam did an open letter kind of thing. Um, but obviously, yeah, they, it turned out that their terms of service was taken from League of Legends. They reused artwork from other games and um, to try and advertise their product. There was also the microtransactions they introduced. There were people um, hacking on the game and the forums were really bad. And then the well, producer of the game went on kind of a verbal tirade. Well. The main thing is, is that the whole concept of the game is, you know, claimed to be ripped off from Daisy, that popular Daisy, yeah. Arma yes. Two mod that came yeah. out. So, which is right, absolutely yeah. awesome. Yeah, it is. It is a good game. Uh, well, uh, which, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to hack on that too much because isn't that the natural progression of things? I mean, there have been a lot of official games that were essentially glorified versions of whatever mod. Yeah, but this is, uh, you know. Because they've just done everything <laughs> wrong, basically. But the, th- the thing is, it's, it's kind of a lack of originality and a lack of... It's just taking an easy route, using other people's content and ideas to try and... to kind of push your game. And because it may look a little flashier, um, it's it kind of drawn... It doesn't worse. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't um, have drawn... any advantages over the DayZ. Maybe yeah. in terms of usability, like the menus in... War Z might be a little bit easier to use, but that's the only area where it's better at all. Yeah, it, it's just, it, it, you know, it's, it's taken advantage of quite a lot of people, and 
they've not been very good to their customer and fan base. And obviously, with that, they've lied a bit and things like that. So it's it's just like it's been quite a PR disaster, and obviously a lot of stink has been made from it. And it's just you know, it's just not good practice. It's not cricket, is what is is is, is what the British say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a shame and frustrating. And we also had stories of sexism, which we discussed mm-hmm. in earlier episodes. Uh, yeah. You know. yeah. I don't know what's happened to her. Is she ridden off into the sunset with a, a barrel of games or whatever? Or no, she's she's still kicking around. She uh, the the biggest the only news that's come out from Anita Sarkeesian in the past three months, I'd say, was that she got a TED talk out of it, uh, which raised a few eyebrows. But hey, you know, she's on her TEDx, way. TEDx or actual TED? TEDx. Sorry, yes, TEDx ah, right, women right. actually. So that's, I don't I don't think that's as affiliated as TEDx would like to believe it is. I oh well it, then. Hey, oh, it's obviously still a part of TED, I think, but it's not. Um, yeah, it's not a I, real TED talk. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And she basically but, didn't make her promised movie yet, did she? No, nope, not yet. Nope. So, <laughs> supposedly still working on it. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is you know check check back next year for fulfilled promises. I think is what everyone's saying. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's another thing that annoyed me about it. Is you obviously met, if somebody gave me. Like, I don't know, 30 grand and said talk about tropes in video games. You know, I'd be right off the bat to do it. I wouldn't, you know, be floundering around unless I had a very good reason to, you know, take my sweet time or other things like. Well, you're a better person to. What if someone gave you 100 grand and you had no, uh, you had no accountability or due dates? Oh, then I, because I work a very scheduled life, so, you know, I can do that. Yeah, I'd be like. Okay, give me give me hundred grand, I will sort it out. <laughs> I'll start a Kickstarter project for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to grant it. And yeah, I, uh, we had the stories of Doritos and lack of uh, video game press integrity and things. Right, like that. yeah, which uh, which, like I say, actually cheers my heart a little because it's nice to see. Yeah, yes, okay, there is. Um, Yes, there is some uh, corruption going on. I want to say in the Fire. there, you know, maybe have some problems in the video game reporting industry and media industry. But the fact that we have so many whistleblowers and so many people who stood up and made blog posts about it—that's cheering. That's a good that uh, that bodes well for the future of video game reporting. Right? Yeah, and I believe I, I believe there was some about I don't know if it was a. It was baseless or not about um, some game journalists being entering competitions on Twitter and oh yes yeah yeah so that's that that was the story behind it yeah some yeah, guy so, wrote Eurogamer article and yeah, then some it. girl said she's offended because she was totally <laughs> herself out and <laughs> you know he got he got let go for it so uh, yeah yeah I don't think uh, um, oh he was talking about what's the name oh I, can't remember. I don't care what her name is. Okay, <laughs> Fair uh, but obviously, yeah, like the integrity in journalism is obviously important. Um, but obviously, it's good that people have come forward, as everyone was saying. Uh, yeah, and but I still don't know how standing next to a giant bag of Doritos, it it doesn't make me want to go out and just buy, you know, a it's whole crate of Doritos. It's the message behind it. That, that oh, works. oh yeah, I, I understand that. I've just never really that that kind of advertising has never really like. Well, once again, it. Peter, you're a better person. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like on some ninth level of Zen being, <laughs> where I need nothing of materialistic value. But when I was at the Halo thing, and there was just, again, lots of Doritos and lots of Mountain Dew there. And it was, and I was thinking about, you know, people stuffing their fat hands in Dorito packets and then playing on the Xbox controllers. <laughs> that, that's, that's what it was like. There was a lot of people wheezing there and eating Mountain Dew and kind of hunched over a controller going, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah. man. I was like, it, no, it doesn't, this isn't right. You know, we should be playing on treadmills or something. I don't agree with this. Gotti. Yes. We'll use this final section of the podcast to talk about our Game of the Year 2012 results. If this was a TV show, we would be naming it The Results Show. And we would give it some sort of cute yearly name, like, and now it's time for the New Gamies. <laughs> New Gamies. Uh, the, the network. Is. That's pretty bad. I feel like you could do better than that. Oh, okay. I, I know. I was putting it out there to, to elicit, you know, some better ideas from you people. And now it's time for... Quick. What, what, who's our mascot? We need some sort of cute... You know, wait, what does New wait. Game... We have like a who's circular deal on the front page. I guess that's our mascot. Circular deal. <laughs> and now it's time for it's the Circular a, Dealies. It's called a logo, damn it. A logo. Yeah, that's it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read out the winners. You stop me if something's interesting or upsetting or surprising. Let's start it, let's start it off. Best story, The Walking Dead Season 1. It deserved it, yep. Best graphics, Art Journey. Yes, it's awesome. Best technical graphics, Far Cry 3. So, yeah, I think it was uh, impressive technically because it, it was really, at least on the PC, it was extremely detailed. It had really, really good textures and all that, but... It was also very large scale, like it was a huge island. So they had packed a lot of detail into each individual area, but they still had really large scale, which was quite impressive. Best original music, Journey. I've been listening to it ever since it won the award. Uh, to tell the truth, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I voted for it for best original music, but uh, it was so good and, and added so much to the game that it's worth, uh, it's worth seeing it get the recognition. Best voice acting, The Walking Dead Season 1. Yeah, who's, who's, who's awesome. been voting for The Walking Dead? What? Who's been voting for it? Me. I've been voting for The Walking Dead too. Yeah, I right, voted right. for it for some things. Yeah. All right. Then. Most memorable character Voss, Far Cry Three. Yeah. I sort of I agree with this one because you only see him like three times in the entire game. But he's, he is most cool. memorable. He's really yeah, good in every, three scenes, but still, I feel like I, there were some other characters who were also pretty awesome. Uh, best atmosphere, dear Esther. It uh, deserved best atmosphere and more. This was a game built around atmosphere, and it it uh, hit a home run there. I think. Yeah, it was great in that regard. You guys are all crazy. That's what I think. That's all it was was atmosphere, really. That's, that's all it was was atmosphere. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a, it was the best atmosphere this year. That's, it was pretty and, damn good. It's true. Best single player, Dishonored. This is a good one. I kind of thought Dishonored would rack in more awards than it did. I was voting for it left and right. I was kind of alone. It was very sad. <laughs> Best multiplayer, Borderlands 2? Yeah. Co -op. Borderlands 2 also should have... Boatload of fun. Borderlands 2 also should have won uh, Best com uh, best 
uh, cosplay costumes from known from online pictures. If you see them online, yeah. there's people who really knocked them dead. Yeah, yeah. That were, they were good. Best gameplay okay. and most original gameplay, Mark of the Ninja. This is kind of interesting I, to me. Yeah, I, was... I dis- disagreed with that. Disagreed. It was it was interesting and controversial a bit, I guess. Uh, I think it came down to a vote splitting phenomenon where it right. Didn't Ninja Gaiden do this in the eighties? Uh, Ninja Gaiden wasn't a two D stealth platformer, though, was it? Yeah, there it was. Oh, sorry, was I didn't it? know that. Oh, wait, it, it may may not maybe not so hard on stealth, but like I like I said, Metal Gear or something was. Kind of stealth platformer thing. Oh, is, really, not really. Not really. Tricky. It doesn't deserve it. It was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me angry. Yeah. But it had the whole sound, like noise making mechanics were pretty. I don't think I've seen that before. Where like if you make a sound, there's like these rings that go outward, so you can see like what would have heard the sound and what wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah, they but again, like in Ninja Games, sound has been used quite a bit. If you ever played like Shinobido or Tenchu or even Metal Gear, you can knock on stuff and whatnot. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe because I've quite have you into played it? like Ninja Games, Mark of the Ninja. Yeah, I, I played the demo, oh, okay. and then uh, but it, I didn't buy it. Obviously, uh, I don't know. I oh. just for me, for me, it wasn't like the most. You know, original game I've ever seen and played in my life. Well, we we'll try to go for 2012, not ever, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, best PC game, Mass Effect 3. I was actually glad to see this. I think you guys were crazy. <laughs> uh, just because it, it was well, it was what we were talking about earlier. Even though everyone whined and complained about the ending. Mass Effect 3 st- still really was a good game. Still a great game in, in many, many regards, and I'm very happy it got represented in a couple of awards. Best PlayStation 3 game, Journey. Woohoo! And Indie Nav's one of the top spots. That's what we're going for. I don't, th- I don't think there was much competition, really, for PlayStation 3 game this year. It's true. Uh, we, we take exclusives into account first uh, for these couple of uh, awards, so I don't think there's anything else that really came close. Uh, best Xbox 360 game, Halo 4. Dun dun dun. It's, yeah, like uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I played it. I'm not really a huge Halo fan, but, you know, I think it was solid for what it did. And definitely the best that the year had to offer, at least as far as the common vote goes. It was, cool. it was a different game for me, but we'll talk about it later. Uh, best Wii U game, New Super Mario Bros. U. Because that's the only thing Which that came I, out of the Wii U. <laughs> we I, yeah, I personally think we could have retitled this only Wii U game or of the ones that, that, are, no. that are out. No, it was it was it, it was decently close voting between that and Zombie U. A fairly uh, original yeah. point, yeah, Zombie U. It, it's a fairly original zombie survival game. Uh, that's pretty good from what I heard. Right, yeah. Don't don't be a negative Pete. Negative Pete. Ne- negative Nelly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I do, you know, that I see the I'm standing at the station and the hype train's coming towards me, and I'm not getting on it. Hype train for what? Just, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like say you've got four pieces of rotten fruit sitting in a room, and you have to choose which one's the best one. They're not great, but obviously one is less rotten than the others. 
No, I'm not saying that it's, it's a rotten game or anything, but when there's not that much choice, it's difficult to choose a game that's going to be awesome. Okay, negative Pete is negative. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> best new IP, Dishonored. No mm. complaints there. Uh, most improved sequel, Far Cry 3. I can attest to that. Uh, just because of the various changes they made from Far Cry 2 and 1, really. Um, it's not perfect, but it's definitely most improved sequel that we saw this year. According to the popular vote, again. Uh, most surprisingly good game, The Walking Dead Season 1. I would, slip, I would slip in a comment here, too, that this was most surprisingly good game as the season unfolded. When Episode 1 came out, I think people weren't sure how to feel about it. But then, as things got rolling for the rest of yeah. the season, it became the game that you were waiting for the next episode for. Well, I myself was coming off of a failed attempt to try to watch the TV series. Terrible. I got I got into uh, about Season 2 and I quit. And then, you know, the games came out and I'm like, well, I played, t- I played the developer's titles before, like the Sam and Max series. And they're they're point oh. and click adventures, and you know it was okay. Um, it was nothing really. I, I wasn't really getting into the hype basically. But then uh, the the smart thing they did was they put it up as free on PlayStation Three, I think for PS Plus users, and mm-hmm. that's where I tried the first two episodes, and I I bought the rest right away. So that was surprising for me for sure as well. And again, the best downloadable game was also The Walking Dead season one. It, it suits the download uh, media. It download, uh, Walking Dead was the kind of game that worked well with as a download game. Yeah, they had episodic content right. Like it came out really regularly, and it was it, it, you really wanted to see the next uh, episode. After. Right. Yeah, there was enough hype going on when when the next when episode four came out. You were still coming off of episode three just enough, you know. Yeah, you're still it's still relatively fresh in your mind. So do you reckon we'll see a surge of episodic game content then? With the success of The Walking Dead, it's it's always been there. I don't think there's been anything as successful um, as The Walking Dead, while also being episodic. Mm. So it's just a matter of exposure, I think. I think yeah. also possibly something holding it back is The Walking Dead actually didn't cost very much, so I'm not sure if it was a huge financial success. Uh, I think that a lot of people downloaded it. Huh? Like, so it it seems like it did with all the hype and everything it got. Okay, uh, best DLC expansion, Civilization V, Gods and Kings. Uh, we don't have a review for it, but I've played it myself, and it is quite good. It adds a lot of things that were kind of missing from the outset of uh, Civ V when it was released a couple of years ago. And these are the things that existed in the previous Civilization games, like religion and spying and stuff. But now it's in Civ V, and it's, uh, it's quite good. Uh, best game no one played... Uh, was kind of an interesting vote. Turned out to be Syndicate. Um, it sold a measly, you know, I think under 300k copies. But then it was an awful game, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It was quite, I mean, it was decent. It wasn't great. It was decent. I don't even remember, I don't even remember what this was. This is a first-person shooter? Yeah. Is it a co-op first-person shooter of some description? It, it has co-op in it uh, as a multiplayer offering. Uh, it came out at the start of the year, and we gave it a decent... Seventy uh, something, I think, score. It, it, it was a reboot, wasn't it? The old Syndicate. Franchise. Well, yes, the old RTS franchise, strategy franchise. Well, that that was good. Yeah. Well, and this it has little to do with that. that. Yeah, I know, which kind of sucks. But, but I mean, yeah. the the reason why this won is because 
it had uh, AAA production values for sure, but it didn't sell worth anything. And it wasn't terrible by any means, but uh, nobody played it, and so probably lost a lot of money for EA on that one. Oh. Yeah. Um, so they'll dry their tears with, I don't know, FIFA and NBA or whatever. That's right. Uh, most disappointing game, Diablo 3. Which, for the for what it's worth, it isn't because Diablo 3 was an awful game. That's right. It's not Just, the worst game award, it's the most disappointing game. Exactly, right. Have to it could up. have been, you know, people were looking forward to Diablo 3, like, uh, you know, Diablo 3 had mountains and mountains of heritage piling up behind it. And it just didn't quite pay off. And worst sequel goes to Resident Evil 6. Ooh. Ooh. I remember. Because the thing is, I think what uh, I kind of feel bad for, 83, is when I'm, I'm sitting there playing a game, and the PR people are trying to tell me how it's great, new and improved, and I'm playing it and I'm thinking, it's not as great as you're making it out to be. Yeah. <laughs> And I know it's not going to be a great game, and you're, you know, you're throwing yourself into this, and I'm thinking there's no, there's no point. <laughs> but, yeah. But, um, but obviously, adversity with Sleeping Dogs, which was uh, exceeded expectations. Um, we'll get to that. Best, sh- well, okay, fine, we'll get to it now. Best action <laughs> game, Sleeping Dogs. Woot woot! Are the yeah. new IP sneaking in? Yeah, well, it's right. it's a remake of, um, well, not not a remake. Sorry, I could say it, a spiritual successor to True Crime. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's uh, all I've got. Best shooter, Borderlands Two. It uh, marks the second time that the franchise won our best shooter award. It won it back in 2010 with original Borderlands, also named the best shooter. Yeah. Uh, best racing game, Forza Horizon. Uh, it's it was really surprising for me, and it's probably one of my personal favorite games of the year overall. It's just really well done, and uh, really enjoyable racing game. Even more so probably than Forza 4, which won our, I think last year it won. So. Better than Daytona Racing? <laughs> I don't even... Nothing will ever be better than Daytona Racing. Have, have you heard the um, classic piano rendition of the uh, title song by the Japanese oh, composer? I'm surprised I haven't heard that. I'll have to download it. It, it, it sounds awesome. Peter, once again, we have to remind you this is Best of 2012, not Best of yeah, 2012. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Living in the past, man. Yeah. Uh, best strategy game, XCOM Enemy Unknown. And I thought it was... The little bit that I played of it, I thought it was decent, but maybe it just wasn't a strong year for strategy games. Yeah. It really wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> but not to take away anything from it, I suppose. It's still no, no. quite a fun game. Oh, and if, if anything, it's nice to see XCOM alive and well. As a strategy game rather yeah. than a shooter. <laughs> exactly. As a strategy game rather than a shooter. Thank you. Uh, best adventure game, The Walking Dead Season 1. Yeah, no contest here, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Best role-playing game, Mass Effect 3. Even though it's not much of a role-playing game, once again, it was a pretty slow year for RPGs. It depends. First, um, first yeah, I feel like 2 probably could have taken the title here, but... It's I, barely you know RPG as well. I, I played Torchlight 2. I was, it was growing stale on me quick. Yeah, I never finished it. 
So that's all we'll say about that. But it's runner-up. No, no, no. Yeah, it's runner-up. Uh, best sports game, SSX. And this is uh, oh. a little crazy because the first time that FIFA didn't win, but we do have like three soccer games and runners-up. So that's all good. <laughs> and, it's pretty huh? Well, the story here is it's a pretty pretty good reboot of a, of a classic EA franchise. I think it did most things right. Uh, I wasn't the one that reviewed it, but I did play it myself. And yeah, I mean, it, as a snowboarding game, it's a niche title, but it's it's a good one at that. Well, snow, snowboarding games did reach a peak with uh, the whole skateboarding franchise as well. Yeah, you had Sean Palmer, and uh, if you remember Cool Borders for the PS One, or uh, or snow, snowboarding kids for the N sixty four, which was an awesome game. It was like Mario Kart on a ski slope. <laughs> On a ski slope. Yeah, it was awesome. Peter with but, a yeah. touch of retro once again. I know, God, I'm stuck in the past. Uh-huh. I need to go uh, away to the future. Best platforming game, Fez. Which apparently is the Braid of 2012. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. One would assume. Uh, best puzzle game, Quantum Conundrum. It's it's, it's a, a pretty fun puzzler. I've played it. It's a bit like Portal, but not... It doesn't have quite the same caliber of writing and uh, cleverness, but it's still a, a pretty fun puzzle game. Didn't feel like it was a strong year for puzzlers this year either, actually. It's puzzlers and strategy games, which makes me sad, since those are two favorite genres. Yeah. Best arcade game, Hotline Miami. Nice violent romp through 1980s Miami. And I also mm-hmm. want to admit, even though it didn't win Best Soundtrack, that game is a s- superb soundtrack. It really made the game. Okay. And the big award, if you haven't guessed it yet, is Game of the Year, The Walking Dead Season 1. I was really glad to see this. I really was. Even though I have reservations about Walking Dead the game, just because Walking Dead the game... I, I, don't, I don't think Walking Dead the game was brilliant in any of its areas, but it was solid in so many areas that the gaming industry is usually weak on. Writing characters, character design, pacing, uh, character development through your adventure choices, proper use of the of the whole uh, dialogue, dialogue tree selection, creative use of that. It put so much of that into it that I think it, it deserved, this deserved being the year of The Walking Dead. And I was also impressed how it didn't just lob on to the success of the TV series and just try and emulate their story directly, but it went off in its own direction, and I think it it was stronger for it, like, stronger than the TV show, which is really impressive. I agree with all that. Um, I think, as Evan mentioned, it might not be excellent and amazing in too many areas, but it's solid overall, and some people will say that it's a bit telling that this, this game and Journey kind of won a lot of Game of the Year awards across various sites. I think it's telling uh, for some people that 2012 maybe was a weaker year than, you know, Skyrim of 2011. Or but maybe it's maybe it's telling that the video game industry is becoming a little more, video game uh, consumers are becoming a little more high class in that. No, case. you dream. You dream. It'll <laughs> happen. It'll happen. You watch. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 5. From here, from here on out, the only winners of Game of the Year, Game of the Year, are going to be political commentaries, uh, you know, or deeply well, moving you biopic. Have, you have to, we have to watch out for that as well, though, too. I mean, doing it just for the sake of being different, like, 
I remember a couple of years ago, um, you know, the I think Dark Souls was kind of the hip game to pick as your game of the year. Yeah. You know, you want to avoid that, picking it because it's hip. You want to actually but, do some critical... But that went back to, like, the really difficult, you know, arc, you know, of dif- uh, difficulty, of learning, and, you know, that was a game that really tested you, and didn't, you know, but, it was like but Nintendo that, but hard. That, and, but does that make it, you know, game of the year overall? Oh, well, then perhaps not, but yeah, it's still... But, but it was... It, it was it, 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 it went against the grain. Exactly, and you. But you don't want that, right? You don't what, want to. What was pick, game of the year then? You don't want to pick for the sake of going against the grain, because that's you know a problem all in itself. You know, people say that uh, you know voting for these awards, you either want to get hits by voting against the grain, or you want to be just like everybody else and pick the same winners. You don't want that. I think. I think you know you should be an individual in determining your your votes and where your uh, passions lie, if you will. So, what what other what other sites? Game of the year. What, what did they? A, a lot of a lot of sites, like I said, this year picked uh, The Walking or, Dead or or Journey. Yeah, know. yeah, it was pretty. There wasn't really one clear winner. Like last year, everyone gave Skyrim Game of the Year, including yeah. us. But <laughs> this year, it's a, a bit more diverse. Like I've heard some sites giving it to The Walking Dead, some to Journey, some to Mass Effect Three. Okay. So, so those are the awards. Lovely. Last little bit we can talk about what 2012 meant for New Game Network and where we are and where we're going and uh, we're in a happy place. I believe we're launching our first satellite into orbit. (laughs) Should be a couple days now. It'll be up and running. We need someone to push the red button to put the rocket (laughs) into into space. Are we doing? Where's the launch, Alex? Is it your back garden? Yeah, uh, it's oh, right. my backyard. I Yay. will get. We're gonna live stream it. It's gonna be dropping presents in all your houses. Oh right, well, like guided missile. What? Oh, 2012 was a record year, wasn't it? Yeah, so I mean, we got a uh, record year of visitors and activity and uh, articles published and just growth overall. Very solid. We're all very happy and thank our viewers and listeners and readers for sticking with us. And we're hoping to continue this trend into the future. And some of the highlights, as I said, high increased readership, but we also did some big moves on the back end. We uh, put up the site on a new VPS, so it's all blazing fast now. I know people might not notice this, but uh, I'm a little obsessed with it. So, uh, you know, at the start of the year, we were averaging about 10 seconds um, as a first-time page load of the homepage. Right now, we're at about four seconds, Woo-hoo! which is very oh. nice. Uh, it, and it all it's all thanks to the hardware that we upgraded and, you know, moved to our own hosting and things like that. So, you know, and uh, continuously improving the code of... You know, that's mostly uh, Ben that's working on a lot of that stuff. So thanks to him. What about what new websites are on? Like, get read, like listed on? Didn't that improve this year? Sorry? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think so, have we? Well, we got, yeah, like, uh... so we got accepted on game rankings um, mm-hmm. early in the year. And that was kind of a big move up. And we, we updated the menu design uh, for the main header. And we're also working on a footer, which will probably go live soonish. We have it ready, but it's not live yet. 
So yeah, that's where we are now. Excellent. Hey, hey. That's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. Three Excellent. This brings us to the conclusion of episode 19 of the New Game Cast. The final episode for a while, potentially Aww. forever. Who knows? Manly tears. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what the future holds? Um, I don't know if we'll have enough material to put up another bloopers episode. Um, but, you know, you can always listen to the one hour length of the one that we put out originally. It's been fun while it lasted. It feels like we've averaged about three or four pe- people uh, every time when we get on the podcast. I feel like the four of us need to... There's got to be some great classic uh, four-player co-op that we need to get together and play sometime. A uh, let's play of it or something. Yeah, something like that. We'll see. Yes. Right. So say your goodbyes. <laughs> Good. All right. In the classic... <laughs> book, play, movie, and musical Sunset Boulevard. The main character refers to her audience as the people in the dark, waiting for the light that we bring to them. And so, as we draw to a close, we bid goodbye to our beloved people in the dark. Nerd. Well, I, I can't, I can't talk that. No, me neither. That's right, you can't. Now you say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone from Evan. It's been nice. It's been nice talking to you. I hope you've enjoyed the listening. Yeah, goodbye from Pete. Yeah, thanks to all the viewers. I'm sure you'll miss my uh, glorious low voice. Yeah. Listen <laughs> to it every evening before you go to bed. Well, Helps you get to sleep. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the good times. Thank you. Hey, and can we have a special thing to Alex? Because well, yes, definitely. Alex. Well, in the first place, you've always done the most work on the podcast, and you've always done the un- done the MC. Mm. Well, with you are our leader with, with variable quality. Variable quality. We, we 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 look to you for guidance in in topics to talk about, Alex. And for that, we are grateful. Okay. Our lighthouse. On a yep. sea of digital and gaming information, you guide us to shore. We'll make sure we're smashing any conversational rocks. <laughs> All right, and my name is Alex, and thanks for listening to the New Game Netcast. And continue to visit the site because what we do full time is writing, so you should read it. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Please remember to visit www.newgamenetwork.com for the latest and greatest video game news and reviews.